Warning, this podcast is rated not safe for work for profanity, sexual innuendo, and general silliness. Ho, 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 Mary Yule. It's the Macabre Academy, and you found yourself here once again or for the first time. Hi, I'm Steph. And I'm Pat. It's Patrick. Everyone's every couple episodes, I like to drop our credentials so we can just remind you who the fuck we are and why you're listening to us. Um, so I I started this podcast and all things weird and uh, fucked up. That's what I did. Weird and wonderful. Weird and wonderful. And it is uh, my my fault that we're here. Uh, I'm the headmistress of House Barnum of the Macabre Academy. We're a school here for the occult, the paranormal, true crime, and all the other weird shit, oddities, that's the word. Patrick, well, oh, oh, and I'm also an art history major, and I studied, I majored in religion as well. Patrick, why the fuck are you here? Um, I don't know. I don't know either, <laughs> but I'm glad you are. So I am the newest headmaster of House Crowley. Uh, I am also with my wife the owner of The Menagerie, which is a metaphysical store located in Bellevue. Uh, We are uh, practicing pagans. My wife is a Norse pagan. Myself, I am more of a Celtic Irish pagan. I'm also a certified Reiki master and intuitive reader of tarot and oracle cards. We got some, we got a treat for you guys, but I fucked up. So I have to fucked up and then explain the treat. Okay. So it only took me a whole year, a whole year to get to the cult of the grade 11. I finally get to the cult of the grade 11 and then the holidays hit and I'm working my first year in a real bakery. And so last week there was no episode. And then I was like, okay, I finally am ready to write episode two and three. I have finished my book. It is time to finish. Oh, fuck. Christmas is coming. It's Yule season. It comes up way too fast every yeah. year, way too fast. So we're cutting in. I'm sorry, guys. You got to wait another episode to get back to part 2.5 of oh, 2.5. Yeah. 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 Of Call of the Great 11. Which is super fucked up, by the way. For those of you who have not heard the previous uh, one and a half uh, episodes going into it, do yourself a favor, go back and listen to it because this is. A very long journey and one that you're not going to regret going on. Yeah, I'm really thinking it's going to hit a fourth episode. I can't. There's too many juicy details and I can't leave it alone. So we might cut into it a few times while we do That's other fair. stuff. I feel bad that I'm running a true crime case and cutting in. But, I, you know, guys, my attention is it, it is what it is. I don't have a good you have a good segue into the episode. Well, you know what? How about instead of a good segue? I'll tell you a little bit of a story. It turns out I have a little bit UPG, unverifiable personal gnosis, on Krampus at Wiley Bastard. Yeah. So this episode is kind of a, uh, we did Christmas ghost stories last year. Okay. And this episode is more dedicated to like the anti-Santa. Anti-Santa. The anti-clause. Anti-clause. Thank you. So I, I just, I said this last year, I'm going to say it every fucking year. And me and Patrick were literally talking about this in the pre-show of how uh, the veil is very thin, guys. We're still riding uh, Samhain. Um, 
nights are long, fails thin. It's a spooky ass fucking time of the year. And it's, it's a perfect time. If you're a witch, it's a perfect time. We're still in spooky season. We're still in magic season. It's the thing. And the best part of it is, is horror Christmas folklore. It's a thing. You're supposed to be scared on those long, dark, cold nights so you can mm-hmm. cozy up by the fire. Like, this is what it's made for, guys. It's what it's made for. So I want to hear all of the Krampus. I got the I got my I got my security onesie on special for this episode. You know, I got I, I was wrapping Christmas presents right before we did this. I'm in the spirit, yo. Let's go. You're you're all holly all holly fucking jolly right now. I love it. Look, my dad and I are very estranged. Okay. And we didn't talk for like five years straight. And he we had like this little chat our first Christmas together after not talking for like decades. Okay. Yeah, I'm a, a Catholic school girl with daddy issues. What? Like that I've never surprises no one (laughs) but he was like steph steph do you still the first one up at like 6 a.m on christmas it's like yeah everybody knows even my dad still remembers how much i fucking love christmas i love it just as much as halloween it is literally my favorite time of the year and you know why do you know why patrick why i'm a christmas baby I was uh, born right. the day after Christmas. Right. My due date was December. And my, I'm a twin. And the doc went to my mom and goes, I know we have what we scheduled for Christmas, but let's have one more day. Go open your presents, do your things, come here the day after. They induced her and boom, twins. So I was a Christmas present for my mother. I am a literal embodiment of the Yuletide season. <laughs> okay. Did you come with a gift receipt? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, but that was good. <laughs> Sorry. I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. <laughs> I'm an asshole. Which kind of explains in perfect reasoning why this story happened to me when I was a little kid. Let me give you a quick little background. I, I'm Steph, I'm pretty sure you you know this but for those of you listening uh so my father grew up in czechoslovakia and because of that a lot of the things that we grew up with and all the the uh uh, holiday celebrations and the way we did stuff revolved a lot around that um one of the things that we celebrated that nobody else really in in my neighborhood or in my hometown or anybody that i really know ever we celebrated the feast of saint nicholas more specifically saint nicholas eve as we called it. And in Czechoslovakia on St. Nicholas Eve, which would be December 5th, um, St. Nicholas, a demon, and an angel would go through the town and go house to house. And if you were a good kid, you got nuts and candies and a little toy and all this fun little stuff. And you ended up with this big tray out on your front porch. If you were bad, the demon would leave you cold or beat you and generally just make your night crappy as kind of a way to let you know you're not all that good santa's coming soon and you better behave and along with this this whole theory so we would sit there in the living room and we'd be watching tv or just talking or playing a game or doing whatever we did as kids and it would we would know would listen for the ringing of a bell or 
the rattling of chains. The ringing of the bell meant that St. Nicholas had been there. The rattling of the chains would be an indicator that they were on their way because the angel would have the demon chained up and was kind of like leading him along, almost like a little dog. So we're sitting there waiting anxiously when we hear a bell ring. And my sister and I take off running to the front door. We throw it open and there are three big trays full of nuts and fruits and candies and a stuffed bear for each of us. And next to the stuffed bear, a little bag. We grab our trays because we each had our own specific tray. There's one tray for, for Mary Ellen, one tray for me, and one tray for the family. And first thing we did is we shoved our hands inside these cloth bags and pulled out coal to signify that we had been bad. Oh, no. And we got freaked out, right? We were, we were upset. We just felt like terrible kids. And then I looked at the stuffed animal that's sitting on the tray next to it. And on the neck of the bear, the width of a fingernail, was a gash. And in my little child mind, it was, oh my God, the demon slit the bear's throat. Oh no. Oh my God. I have been that bad of a kid that not only did I get cold, but the demon took his long nail and <laughs> killed the bear. Oh my gosh. That's so fucking now, dark. Right? So fucking dark. Who does that now, to their children? Let's flash forward a little bit. And, you know, my sister always picks on me saying that I have, you know, I remember the trip down the birth canal. My long-term memory is wonderful. My short-term, not so much. So we're sitting around as adults talking about this night. And I bring up to my dad, I'm like, do you remember the time that we got coal from St. Nicholas? And he just busts out laughing. He's like, you guys were so traumatized by this. Here I thought I was being funny by giving you a couple pieces of coal and you were traumatized. I'm like, do you remember the damn bear dad? He goes, Hey, I didn't do that one. It was just loose threads. <laughs> He's just standing there as an adult, looking me in the face laughing at me because this prank went so far because my little kid mind just was like, <sighs> so active. Now flash forward even further. And this just uh, about a year or so ago, I, I made mention to my dad as we were talking about, because, you know, he, he'll send me a text now or call me and remind me, hey, it's December 5th. It's, it's time for St. Nicholas to come. And that, you know, reminds me I need to run out, grab some stuff for, for the tray that we put out. And, and, you know, my kids now get to have the, the same fun I did. You didn't, you didn't leave the cold, did you? And, Don't do the thing. Oh, not yet, but probably eventually. Uh, wait till they're teenagers. I am my father's son. <laughs> I'm just but saying... As we were talking, I said, you know, Dad, this, this story sounds really familiar. It sounds a lot like Krampus. And he pauses. He goes, you know Krampus? Go, yeah. He goes, yeah, that's exactly who this was. So all along my entire childhood, we have been celebrating Krampus Knock. Yeah. yeah. My eldest daughter is born on December 5th. And that, they always have a big festival in pittsburgh for that yep. Mm -hmm. yep. so it wasn't until just a couple years ago that i found out i've been celebrating and dealing with krampus most of my life <laughs> why wouldn't they just tell you the demon's name was krampus well you know i, I don't know i don't i think he probably didn't want to scare us uh, you know too young yeah i think he but he, he did, tried, <laughs> but he did. It was never really his intent. 
but at the same time, you know, since we didn't grow up with those legends, we grew up, you know, uh, Irish Catholic from my mom's side. So we understood instantly what a demon was. We knew what an angel was. We knew St. Nicholas. We knew, you know, so he just kind of, mort- you know, morphed it and modified it to, to fit what we already knew. Hmm. So at least that's what I'm assuming. My dad's a wonderful man, but I don't think he thinks things through fully sometimes, which again, I am my father's son. So I, I can hear my wife's eyes rolling in the other room. Like Jess's <laughs> eyes are rolling at me right now as I say that. Uh, you know, the pocket door is closed. So I don't even know if she's in that room, but if she hears me, her eyes are rolling <laughs> and they just went again. Uh, so let's get into a little bit of who and what Krampus really is. Um, so Krampus was, like I said, the demon that traveled with St. Nicholas. And I just knocked over my camera. Way to be professional, Patrick. Uh, hey, I never claimed to be a professional. No, we're not a professional. Hey, we're we are such professionals here. We're super professional. So professional. I mean, you're you're in pajamas. I'm in Deadpool pajamas. You're in Deadpool just... pajamas. It doesn't get much more professional. But I did get smart. Look, there's a baby Kate this episode. That bunny's going no bunny nowhere. attack. No bunny attack. <laughs> you guys, Sound Maiden did such a lovely job of editing out the bunny attack from last episode. <laughs> You know, I think guys, you should have left it in. You don't know what's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, like I was saying, Krampus was a demon that traveled to St. Nicholas, and in some lore, like in Czechoslovakia, an angel went along with them. Uh, and, and this all stems from Eastern Europe and the Alpine regions of, of Europe. So this is definitely a European uh, folklore. Uh, and Krampus is a hairy, anthropomorphic being with cloven hooves, a pointed tongue, fangs, and goat horns. Now, I, I can't remember, I kept seeing the words pointed tongue, but I do believe it was forked. And I think a lot of the imagery will have more of a forked tongue look to it. Um, and he always had certain accessories with him. So he would carry a rootin bundle, which is just a, uh, a collection of birch branches. And if he didn't have his birch, he had a whip. And he always had a basket on his back and he carried chains with him, right? So as we touched briefly, his whole job was to punish naughty children. Originally, when he first popped up, what he would do was snatch the bad kids up, throw them in the basket that he was wearing on his back. And then he would either A, drown them, B, eat them, or C, personally deliver them to hell. He's a great guy. I don't know how to respond to that. Apparently, while scrolling through my notes, I hit Siri, and she has no idea how to respond to this. Again, super professional. I was going to respond, but now I'm not, because she, she has no clue. <laughs> Sam made to leave this one in. I think this is too funny. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so later on in his lore, he kind of got the gentler, softer side. Uh, so instead of uh, eating and drowning the kids, he would just leave them cold and whip them with his rootin bundle uh, or his whip, whichever one he carried with them. So he went from uh, drowning and eating to just beating them. So, you know, improved over the age. You know, he, he mellowed out. Um, well, I think I think parenting mellowed out a little bit over the years. 
because you think about it, these were these were old peoples with no electricity and shit. Yeah. So you, like you had to scare the crap out of your kids to make sure they didn't like go do something stupid and get themselves killed. Exactly. You know, now it's like no kid's going to wander off in the back, you know, back of the house through the woods and then, you know, get mauled by a, a you know, wolf or something. You know, it's it's a little bit safer outside. <laughs> so you don't have to scare your kids quite as much. It's a different kind of different kind of terror out there than the wilds of nature, I think. It is. We were also looking at a time where religious extremism was more the norm. So a lot yeah. of what they were doing was, you know, very, very hellfire and brimstone. <laughs> you know, and, and as the years went on, I think that's when it started loosening a little bit. Um, but, you know, we're looking at like 12th, 12th century Germany uh, is, is where we really start seeing the lore uh, come into play. And that's back when he was drowning, eating and taking kids to hell. Um, it was then about the 17th century. Uh, so, you know, 500 years later, uh, when Krampus made his way into uh, more of the mainstream Christian lore. And that's when he started easing up a little bit. So for 500 years, he was eating. I'm wondering, maybe his cholesterol just got really bad. I'm guessing kids are, are rich in, in all the bad fats. You got you to gotta cut back on them, them ginger kids. Got to cut like, back on the kitties. Right? So, <laughs> funny. So. Bad for, you're, this is bad for, your, you know, you're immortal. You're, I mean, you're, you're, you're a supernatural being, but you're not immortal. Okay? Got to take it easy. Hey, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Centuries of just digesting children is not good for your you're health. Five hundred okay, years old, you're getting old. Chill, chill. <laughs> Eat a salad. Go for a run. <laughs> so, like I was saying, Krampus uh, knock is when he would punish the kids. Saint Nicholas would reward them if they were good, uh, and this all kind of developed off of what was called uh, Kramposlov. Uh, and this was back when they would, and, and this is still kind of done to this day, because uh, my dad would tell me stories about watching the, uh, the grownups in town getting dressed up in, in, as these characters and knocking door to door. Um, but people would get dressed in, in costumes and they would raid through the streets and it was a big booze fest and it was just a, a great time and it was more to celebrate Krampus. And this ceremony dates back 1,500 years. Wow. Uh, but wait, 1,500 years ago is much longer than 12th century. I hate to break it to you once again. The math isn't lining up. And I think that Christianity may have stolen some lore and appropriated it here. They would never do that. They would never. 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 <laughs> Unfortunately, this is where the research was hitting a brick wall. Mm-hmm. So it touches on the pagan origins but only slightly so krampus what's that just a little bit just 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 the tip just the tip just the tip he originates from do you know what uh, uh what form of paganism and what uh, mythology he came from actually i had zero idea until i glanced at said you glanced at him yeah because we have a shared doc right now he is from the norse mythology see you're pretend you're supposed to pretend you don't well, oh. I don't, is what I'm saying. 
Because I have bullets. I don't have stories. Exactly. So how the fuck does this happen? Tell me the things, please, because I want to. So he it. is from the Norse mythology. He is oh, Norse paganism. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it gets even worse. Okay. Krampus's mother? Hell. What? How? Wait, I don't. What surviving fragments are about her children's? I don't know, to be honest with you. Like I said, it was like hitting a brick wall. You know, it was it was just the fact that uh, uh, this dates back 1500 years uh, and that his mother was hell. And that's really all I was able to find. Um, I think I have I think I got you. This brings up something completely different. And this is something Mm -hmm. that my life has turned into. And I wish it would stop. We all know, or you know, and, and, and everybody's about to know, you know, and I mentioned that my wife was a, a Norse pagan, and, and I mentioned that for the reason of bringing this up. My wife is a Lokian. And to all those who can't put uh, two and two together, Lokian is somebody who works with and worships Loki, the god of mischief and craziness and pranks and sweets chaos. and booze and chaos and all the fun stuff that never stops when he's around. I mean, chaos magic can be fun. Yeah, just came up to the door and reminded me he's also the god of people who don't have inside voices. And that is <laughs> so very true. So this now becomes what is turning into the seven degrees of Loki Laufason. Because there is a connection <laughs> to Loki everywhere. Because who is Loki's daughter? Hell. Oh. So are we really surprised? That the demon that has worked his way into Christian lore, who eats, drowns, and delivers kids to hell, is the grandson of Loki. I want to know how. Like, who did hell get busy with when she was down there? It's the old gods. They get busy with everybody. I know, I know, but usually you can at least find a little, like, thing. (laughs) All right, to, to explain... To anybody listening to this, the, what I mean by I wish it would stop. As I'm saying this, Jess just peeks her head into the dining room when I said, you know, they're old guys, they get busy with everyone. She just like creepily like slides and goes, a horse and slides out. Because Loki had a child with a, as a horse. He did. He turned into a female horse and got knocked up. Why? Why? Because Loki. But he successfully slowed down the building of the walls. I get that. I get that. Everything he does has purpose. It worked. But then he just disappeared for nine months and comes back with a nine-legged pony. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. We're all fine here. It's fine. We're all fine here. It's all good. (laughs) Yeah, just let's show up with some weird kids. Very weird. So we just took a little tangent that I'm sure nobody thought we'd be taking on our Christmas episode. <laughs> now, Krampus has had some other interpretations. Uh, first, we have knocked, and I'm going to say this horribly, knocked r- Ruprecht, knocked Ruprecht, uh, and also Belschnickel. Next. Yeah, whatever. Next. Next. Yes. Next. That one. Ich spreche ein bisschen Deutsch. Uh, the, only, the only Deutsch I speak is ein Bier, bitte. Yeah. Well, then the knocked would have been an A. The, the E okay. has a different sound. That's fair. So, yeah. Listen, I can barely sprecken the English, let alone when it comes yeah, to... Yeah, but the- you said it right the next time when you went to Ruprecht. 
okay. which I said wrong, but that you said the e yeah, e c h correctly. They're just a copy paste. Even a blind squirrel oh. gets a nut sometimes. <laughs> you just smell them. <laughs> <laughs> and then we also have Belschnickel, which a lot of people out there will recognize from The Office. Where uh, Dwight, uh, yeah, Dwight did a. Uh, I don't Belch office. I'm. You, you don't know the office. I don't office. I have no idea. You don't office. This is gonna have to change. I don't office. This is gonna have to change. I don't, I don't office. It is one of the greatest sitcoms of our era. Oh yeah. I mean, I know like little tiny tiny snippets because they come up in like. Yeah. Well, so re- like little YouTube clips on my Facebook of just like random, you know, and the memes. Of, you know, office was great for memes. Dwight, uh, he who our shop mascot is a deer on the deer head on the wall named Dwight Shoot instead of Dwight Shroop. Um, but he came dressed as Belschnickel for the office Christmas party, and so Belschnickel is probably a person's way of trying to uh, explain Krampus as not being a demon. But a person. So Belschnickel would wear furs and he would wear deer antlers on his head, but he would do oh. kind of the same thing. He would have a basket. He would whip uh, 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 mischievous and bad kids with uh, birch reeds. Uh, so there was kind of that tie in where, you know, it wasn't uh, demonic, it wasn't evil. It was just a guy who gave kids their just desserts. So like if you took, if you took Santa and put him in a Krampus, really bad mock outfit you have belschnickel like a guy pretending to be krampus but not quite nailing it yeah because yeah. he's, he's an old guy kind of yeah yeah instead of a mall santa just swap the hobo rags with some fur and some horns exactly okay okay all right i had to look up a picture i had no clue of uh belschnickel yeah, I'm or, just getting hobo vibes. Or Dwight. Right now. <laughs> well, you know, hobo, think hobo, but think like, you know, 17th, 18th century. So, you know, more like mountain man that lives up in, uh, you know, the Alaskan wilderness and wears a whole bunch of furs to, uh, for pelts to stay warm. I found one. It's, 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 wait, screen share. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Belschnickel. Kind of like yes. Santa, but dirty. And worse. Well, and that, is that the thing? Yes, that's Dwight right there. That's that's a <laughs> screenshot from this the episode of the uh, the office. Um, now Belschnickel had a companion named Black Peter. Now Black Peter is a prime example of cancel cancel culture screwing things up. So Wait, who's Black Peter? So Black Peter was kind of like the the sidekick for Belschnickel and. He was all black and sooty because he would come down the chimney to get to the kids. Okay. Now. So, so what's that going to do? Oh, oh, I see cancel culture. This is a blackface moment. Yeah. Everybody saw blackface and just automatically assumed that it was a reference to uh, African-Americans and, you know, blackface as like they would do in vaudeville and mule style movies. In reality. No, they're just exaggerating the soot. Exactly. He's just covered in soot. So. This is a Mary Poppins moment. Yes. But if I remember correctly, not too long ago, Mary Poppins got hit with, well, they did blackface. So it's just people, you know. Chimney sweeping is not blackface. I understand that. I understand, I understand how blackface is offensive when you're trying to be black 
like African-American, not black yes. because of a fucking chimney sweep in England. Exactly. That's a thing. That is a thing. My grandma had a chimney that worked. If you put your hand up against it to open the flu chute, just straight fucking soot on your hands. We yep. weren't allowed to touch the fireplace. Yep. Crazy. So, yeah. Guys, they, come on. I, come on, guys. No, come on. Too far. <laughs> too far. Too far. Too far. You're reaching. The cancer culture is reaching. Yeah. So, but that's that's kind of where I, that's kind of where it all left off. For me. And I'll be honest, well, you know, what, I was super excited well, to start deep diving into this. I'm talking like six hours of research, and this is pretty much all I got. Well, I got you. I got I got you. Don't worry. Now, I, I'm sure you got me because you were like a researcher on crack. I am. You deep dive into stuff that I could only imagine. I was even pulling out, going to like Bing and, and looking on alternate uh, search engines. I kept getting the same more over and over, which is fine because you know what? It's still it's still a fun uh, a, a fun story. Uh, it's one like I said, accidentally tied into my own childhood. So you know, it, it is quite interesting. And again, there was that little uh, that little tid- tidbit of uh, the seven degrees of Loki. We're gonna come back to Norse because Christmas is so fucking Norse. I mean, I we we could take a whole episode and do why Santa's Odin. I was just going to mention right? that. Like, yeah. yeah, we're not touching this because we're doing anti-Santa right now. But yeah, uh, I'm going to hit the Norse as well. And I'm going to explain to you why you can't find shit, by That's the way. Fair. I touched that a little bit also in uh, the later uh, part of this episode when we're going over the Yule Cat. Great. So we, we're going to explain all the things. So just <laughs> hang on for the ride. All right, so I see I see your singular Krampus, okay, and I raise you the Christmas witch. Dun dun dun. Dun. Okay, I had no idea who the Christmas witch was, and our lovely producer, Sound Maiden, this bitch that I love with my whole heart, sends me an article. Now, this article, you know, there's little read times on the top article, like three minutes. I had to stop myself. At four and a half pages of notes. I could have kept going. But I'm like, I got to give Patrick time to talk. So I'm like, I'll fucking save it. It's fine. So I I had to actually halt the breaks and you don't have all of my research. I could have spent another week and a half on this and got and got did a full episode on just the Christmas witch. Just so you know, I had to pump it, pump up the channel. Pump it up. Pump it. I, I, there. There's this great thing my friend sent me as a video of that song, and it's literally just a jack with a jam on it, and somebody's pumping it up. Shit, it. Okay, so the Christmas witch. There's, there's, there's. We're doing the anti-Santa one. Uh, there's another one in Italy. We're gonna ignore that bitch for a minute. Okay, just, okay. So we're talking about Frau Perchta, goddess witch and nightmare fuel so we've gone beyond demon into goddess realm we have a fucking christmas goddess my feelers were going off the chart because you know (laughs) i was like oh my death guard is you know web of strings all over the place so connected okay frau perchta is a physical embodiment of fate and its duality belonging to the wilds of the winter so, you know, fate is oh, it's a heavy thing. 
it's a heavy thing, right? Um, and it's either going to go really good or it's going to go really bad. It seems like that seems to be when you're you're talking about if something's faded or not. I wish fate was gentle and kind, but she is a cruel bitch, okay? Now, her lore also comes from the Alpine regions. A lot of Christmas, okay? Your fucking Christmas with your Jesus in Jerusalem comes from Alpine regions. A fuck ton of it. We had more European settlers to begin than anything. So in America, yeah. So we're talking about again your southern southern Germany, Australia, Bavaria, Austria, Italian, Austria, yeah, <laughs> Austria. Actually, they I think they 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 they, they there's a couple of people in Australia that were like, hey, what's up? I know about Frau Bergsta, but and and I say Italy ish because there are some Alpines, some mountains mm-hmm. in the northernest most northern Italy possible. Okay, so you're talking that far. Okay. You're talking like the top the, of the boot where you would tie the laces at. Yeah. What's interesting is they're the ones shedding sharing this thread of this lore, which is very similar to the lore that you're giving me. Like these are very regional specific ideas, but because of the mountains, these villages that this folklore is coming out of are isolated. Mm -hmm. They talk just enough to barely trade to survive. So that's where that commonality is. But then they're alone so much and isolated that that independent spin can be formed. You'll understand why that's a joke later. Okay. So Perchta itself means hidden or covered in high German. That's my brief etymology of that version of the name. Okay. Her appearance is quite fantastic. Metallic beak nose. Okay. Raggedy wardrobe as well. Okay. Apparently if you're demon, you can't afford nice clothes. Okay. You're going to, you're going to be haggard. That's not fair. I mean, Lucifer's walk around all sexy and shit. And now the demons are in fucking rags. Who decided that shit? That's not fair. God. Anyway, okay. Mm. And then now she has a walking staff with two-ish kind of points, kind of like a dryden-ish okay. thing. Okay. Um, it's very similar to a distaff, which is a tool for spinning. Again. Same pin, keep it in its place. Okay, so she's basically old crone style to the max with bright, lively eyes. And she's my kind of bitch because she will keep a long knife hidden under her skirt. Now, in some of the lore, one foot is larger than the other, and it's claimed to be goose or swan-like. And they think that this might have got tacked on because I don't know if you know anything about art history and depicting gods and things. But when you get to like when you get to like India, let's say, okay, you know, Krishna, he's all blue, blue, and he's got the multiple arms. The more arms, the more godly you are. Okay. You if you you have a human form as a god, they got to give you some weird shit to remind the person that you might look like a person, but you're not but you're God. Okay. Yeah. So she has that weird uh, avian-esque waterfowl foot to symbolize her ability to shapeshift into animal form. Um, also, the beak 
thing very interesting, the nose and the chrome. And this just smacked me like I had a bricks, right? Like, why is the fucking witch got that ugly ass fucking nose? Okay. Right. Ready? Ah. Because of the birds of omen associated with witchcraft. Birds like ravens, crows, owls, eagles, hawk, beak. (laughs) The witch practices the witchcraft. It has the beak of the birds that did the things for the witch. It makes sense. I know. That one was like fucking, oh, if you could have seen my, I wish I had realized that sooner. When that came across my, I was like, how did I not put that together myself? Like the bing. Yeah. Like you knew the thing, but you didn't know the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Frau Perchta is related to the legend of the wild hunt. And this is very common in these mountainous regions during these long, cold, scary nights. So Frau Perchta will fly through the air with the greatest of ease, accompanied by an army of lost souls called Perchden. Now, Perchden is an army of Krampusai. Plural. She does not have but one Krampus. She has an army, Patrick, because she's a goddess. All right, that's messed up. She's got a goddess of Krampusess. Yeah. No elementary school will be safe. No. So, like I said, I raise you. I raise you a Krampus, <laughs> army of Krampus with the death. I see bridge. you are Krampus and I raise you an army. Yes. Now this, this wild hunt tends to take place uh, calendar wise during Epiphany around the last three days before Christmas, um, which is called knocking nights. Okay. The army is also said to include the souls of unbaptized children. So you can start to see this Christianization happening here with the lore. Okay. Um, but these ugly perched in, or uh, there's a German word I'm not even going to try, would stamp their hooves, bear their fangs, and brash horsetail whips to drive demons and bad spirits out of the lands where the people were living to uh, help those that they favored Interesting. or said army would then punish the wickedness she saw in people. So slaughter fest, if yins were all bad, right? So there's a collective here, a community soul being weighed by said witch so not only is your personal actions weighed, but also the community as a whole of those individual actions are being weighed as a community with a face. I mean, that's, a, you know, it's, you got to think to survive the winter back in these days, you needed everybody to work together. Yeah. So the fact that they extended that into their lore for punishment, the, you know, the one is part of a whole. And everything's interconnected. My brain was like, oh, I love that. I love that. So you you go there with it. I'm sitting here thinking, which cities can we unleash this army on? I can what think of several. What direction do we point them? Cincinnati. I don't know. Oh, I went straight to D.C. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, in these regions where she's worshipped, young men dress up like evil spirits to uh, banish those that accompanied Frau Perchta. So it was either to scare them away because they're like, there's already demons here. You guys think you can pass us over. Or, which I, I question mark, maybe they were helping drive out the bad spirits too. Because they're like, hey, we're going to help you out. Thanks for getting the bad spirits out. But we're going to also try to drive out the bad spirits. It's not super clear. So I don't know if that varied from like region to region. But both were true. So I was like, okay, let's just put them both in there. I mean, it makes sense why you would dress up like that in both scenarios. But there's not like it's just because of this reason. There was not a nice clear cut thing um they also followed with rituals um where there was a protective smoking of the house and burning of special herbs during winter to help protect against those evil spirits from the thinning veil and these customs were believed to liven up the spirits for new year's was rested under the snow cover on the soil so those spirits are like right the fuck there they're right under that snow I think I think I kind of get that one too because there's like a sin where you would just like beautiful, clear, untouched snow, and then some fucker's footsteps are all through. Like you're you're stirring up spirits. Why did yep. you go off the path? That the, the the snow was beautiful. What you do? You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, great, great. So I get that one too. That's like a personal feeling. Like you want to be the first person to walk through the snow, but if there's already a trail, you stay on the trail. Because you don't want to fuck up all the thing. Or you could be that asshole that's like, fuck all this shit up. Stir up the spirits. I'm down. I digress. Okay. <laughs> so legend has it, if you hear the wind and thunder roaring and rumbling through the mountains on the knocking nights, you're really likely to hear the sound of Percha screaming to lead the wild hunt, according to Burrows of the Dead. That whipping wind howling bad omen. Okay. Mm. Uh, it was considered bad luck if you heard it. Also, we have Frau Perchta known as Birchta or Bertha, thanks to the Grimm's fairy tales, who is also dubbed her the spin stupid Frau or the spinning room lady in Swedish and Slavonia regions. So Part of Frau Porchta's lore says you better get your flax and your wool spun by the 12th night, which is January 6th, for when, oh, yeah, the lore says for when Christmas season is over, it would be time to set up the big bright loom at which you must have enough thread to wrap it and start your weaving. Or... She will burn your half spun shit. So she was going to, she sees your shit laying there on spun, boom, fire. And what sucks is if you don't do this by the deadline, right, this shit's going to happen. Technically, the cultural taboo was, is you must not spin during the 12 days of Christmas itself. That's a big no-no. So you have to get it done even before then. They're like, we got to, got to make sure this shit's done even before the deadline. Now, interesting enough, this is tying in with what we're going to discuss later with the Yule Cat. So, like, let's, let's back up. Let's back up because I have a witchy minute. <laughs> <laughs> beep, beep, beep. 
fucking witchy is spinning wool and thread anyway. I had a moment writing this episode and it's magic I actually use every fucking day. There's nothing more magical than spinning. Okay. It's a woman's meditative task done with intention. Okay. Key to magic people. It's literally everything is intention. You know, I do this when I crochet. That's fucking not magic. Right. Guess what else it is? Oh yeah. Uh, So uh, one thing Jess will do is, and she's always done it for as long as I know her and and into her childhood is uh, uh, needlepoint. Um. Oh, what's it? Yeah. I'm drawing a blank. I guess needlepoint is what it's called. Yeah. Needlepoint, cross stitch. Cross stitch. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. It's all the same. Embroidery. Jess has done cross stitch for pretty much most of her life. And now she uses it as part of uh, a meditative process and as an offering and a working with uh, Athena, which is one of her, uh, her other deities that she works with. So that's just, you know, Another little thing that kind of goes along with it, you know, you're, you're creating, you're manifesting, you're putting intention out there, you're meditating. It's just, it's soothing and it's a wonderful thing to do. Yeah. Even the tools themselves are very magical because you have something very masculine that represents the masculine side of magic. So you have that spindle or needle, right? It's very phallic. It penetrates, blah, blah, blah. And then the feminine would be the threads itself from that whirling and that action of creating things. So you're balancing out. It's a very balanced magic. You are hitting all the points. Even though women tend to do it more, the magic itself is balanced, which is what you want, you know? Um, And you can spin thread to repel, right? By going counterclockwise or to attract by spinning the thread clockwise. Okay, so that direction can create intention in and of itself too, just by creating the thread. And in and it's interesting this this goes into folk magic and fairy tales because it's very heavily uh, a magical implement when you're looking at something like uh, Rumpelstiltskin or Rapunzel, right? So the 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 fairy tales are picking up on that magic. They tend to highlight the folk magic of that time. <laughs> and then you have unmarried women or old spinsters right? Which tend to be also associated as old maids or witches. The name itself is witchy. And what's crazy about spinsters is spinsters usually came into the trade because they weren't likely to marry because they were working independent women. They had to support themselves. Yeah. How dare they? Yeah. That meditated... Yeah, there's lots of cases documented of women doing the spinning and getting premonitions and divinations from that meditative state. And then this also will carry into the more witchy shit because the wheel itself is spins. You know, it's yeah. it's a spinning, it's a spinning wheel. And and I actually was talking with a witch who that's how she does her magic. Like I was talking about when I'm grounding and I'm trying to move energy, right? For most people like me, I try to take it into a, uh, I try to gather said energy and throw it at the thing. It's like filling up a pail of water and coating the thing. So my magic doesn't stick very well. And I was like, why the hell does your magic stick so well? And she was explaining to me that she imagines the elements as threads 
and she weaves them together, spins them uh-huh. together. She's creating a tangible thing with the magical energy that she's moving around to wrap securely uh, as a building material around the thing. And I cannot tell you what that visualization has done for my witchy practice when I'm trying to That's move really energy. Cool. And it, mm-hmm. It's not, it's not just gathering light energy, throw it in a bucket and tote the, yeah. throw it on the thing. That's what I do. <laughs> That's how I, I learned to move energy. No, 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 no. She pulls them into that, that energy mass into a thread, spins those threads together from all the elements, and then we'll wrap that thing with the, you know, the magical thing that she's imbuing or the intention or the working that she's doing. She will take that thread that she's created from energy. I was like, what a powerful meditation, right? Yeah, it is. Guys, your spells might not be working the way like mine don't always work, right? Because we're not spinning the energy right. I'm just I'm just saying, we need mm. to revisit this one, okay? <laughs> but for these communities, time back into the podcast. Yeah, these communities, you have to think if you did not spin that wool or that flax, you were cold. Like you needed to get those fabrics to that was such an important yeah. task. So to have a goddess and a you know a pure of fate centered around spinning and witchcraft, I was like, oh fuck yes. Fuck yes. Okay. Now Frau Perchta um is very particular. Okay. So if she comes to your house and she's like, hey, you didn't leave me a snack. And your house is messy, and you didn't take care of your animals, and nothing spun. You fucked up. You done fucked up, A.A. Ron. You are getting disemboweled in your sleep, okay? Then your guts will be replaced with rocks, straw, and the unused spinning material. Because she didn't burn it. She's pissed. It's going in your innards. Like, I will fong you. Your insides will become your outsides. Well, I, I mean, it just seems like a little bit of an overreaction. That, mm, it, she's very centered around women making sure that they're doing their duties, that the community is doing their duties. I can get behind okay. that. Yeah, I, I, I get to not taking care of your animals, too, because I would disembowel a animal abuser in a fucking heartbeat. That's fair. I'll give you that one. I'll give you that yeah. one. She also does not like lying children. So... Uh, I wrote this down. I don't know if I said it right the first time, so I'm going to say it again. The general idea is that at midwinter, it is not acceptable for you to fail your family or your community. That was punishment. So Frau Perchta also becomes a goddess of cultural taboos in that sense. When you wrap it up in a nice little bow. (laughs) So the incentive, again, be good. Because if the child, the children and the household servants were good all year and worked really hard, then they would find a silver coin in a shoe or a pail in the front of the house mm. on the mor- the, you know, the morning of her feast day. And this is funny, too, because me as a witch, right? Like baby witch stuff, three years running, four through four years running, every New Year's Day, I actually gut my house and do ritual cleaning. And I'm not talking just metaphysically, but physical, like the whole thing from hot to bottom. I will go through every closet, every drawer, 
everything I own, donate, because I just got all this shit for Christmas. I will donate whatever I don't need, clean everything out, make room for the new things I've just gotten over the Christmas holiday. And then while I'm at it, I stage the whole house because I have just cleaned everything from top to bottom physically. And I have done this every New Year's Day since I became a witch. And I'm like, whoa, I didn't know I was actually keeping Frau perched away. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. And she also has weaseled her way into the Icelandic sagas called the Laxdolio saga. Hint, Icelandic means Norse, by the way. Didn't know. So they probably saw this shit like I did. Okay. Do you know what goddess this fucking sounds like? Community? Home? Spinning? Uh, you know what? I, I'm going to... I'm going to take the guess because I actually knew this one before seeing your notes, but this would be Frigg. One of the highest ranking of your goddesses, wife of Odin, leader of the gods, and mother of Baldur the Beautiful. All around badass bitch. She's a vulva, a witch, a goddess of marriage, childbirth, motherhood, wisdom, household management, winning speech. But what's interesting is she also is. She weaves and spins shit like clouds and, you know, small thing like fate. The, yeah. Oh, just a little thing. Don't, so. You see all this shit coming around? It's like full circle. And I'm like, oh, Frau perched in my heart. Oh, my heart. My, my, my poor pagan heart. And it's even closer to me because I work with three main witches or female goddesses. I'm not going to name all the gods and gods I work, but I work with three main ones. I work with my Hecate. Right, my Hecate, right there. I work with Scotty and I work with Freya. Now, sometimes Frigg and Freya are confused or not confused, if you will. So, uh, a lot of pagan debate. Somebody's going to come at me. You come at me all you want. So go on, get at me. But Frigg uh, is most likely Freya that got separated out. Now there's very, I originally thought that all the death goddesses were the same goddess. And then I came to know them independently. This is one of the only instances where I think there's two separate names for the same fucking person. Okay. And I will make this argument scientifically. There is an amazing video by uh, uh, Crawford, one of the most leading uh, scholars on Norse translations of, of sacred text. Okay. so. Long story short, we have very, very, very little on Frigg. There's like three little scraps of paper. Okay, that's it. And then you see Freya mentioned much more often. But he explains by using their kennings, the way that they're spelled, and the way that Odin's name can be spelled Odin or Othin. Um, Frigg and Freya spelling is freaking fucking close. Okay. And the problem is, is there's a preservation issue. Because you have a patriarchal Christian monk preserving goddess myths. Okay, I'm going to digress. But I was like, oh, oh, Frau Perchta is Frigg. And Frigg is Freya, my goddess. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm even more of a Christian or Christmas witch than I thought. I'm a Yule witch all the way. It's like two degrees oh, of separation. And I'm like, that's all connected. I was having a moment. Uh, but <laughs> she's also related to a Germanic goddess 
called Holda or Hola, depending on how you, uh, the translations that you're looking at. Spinning Um, uh, domestic diva. I'm sorry, what did you say? Nothing, just ignore me. I put out karma? No, I went holla. Oh, holla. I love that. Okay, good. I'm glad (laughs) I didn't miss it. That was good. Holla, holla, make you holla. Okay. Um, But domestic diva, and she judges the state of your home. And she is often spotted walking the long steeps of the German mountains, holding a golden spindle in her hand in her maiden form, leaving gifts for all of those that she has judged well. Now, again, goddess. So during the summer, the shepherds would leave offerings of flax and wool, and she would in turn bless their flocks for that spinning that had to be done by the end of the year. And you can see how this is evolving oh. through the Christianization thing, especially the, the whole law, which is also winds up creeping in a little bit more to, uh, it can also be spelled with an E, but the translation in German means shining or bright. She is worshiped also around epiphany, the shining night. Right then, I had to look up Epiphany. I got so far out of Catholicism, I couldn't fucking remember Epiphany. And that <laughs> is, yeah, I know it's like the the Star of Bethlehem showdown. It's the Christian feast day of the three kings visiting the Christ child. So this is a pagan conversion tactic here. Epiphany, which precedes Christmas, uh, is 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 this goddess's worship time preceding Yule. They converted both right the fuck over for these people. Um, And it's common still to this day for Christians in this area to make sure that their Christian Christmas decorations are down by Epiphany Eve. According to those traditions, those who fail to remember to remove their Christmas decorations on Epiphany must leave them untouched until Candlemas. Then they have one more opportunity to take down their Christmas decorations. If they don't, right, bad fate for you. Bad things are going to happen to you. So there's still that kind of like, oh, Perch just going to get your shit and punish you if you don't take down your, you know, house has got to be clean. Got to be set. We like the way your house is. You know what I mean? It's still yeah. creeping in. Still there. Well, and this is this is super interesting to me because that was Epiphany was when my mother always said, "Okay, tree has to be down, decorations are switched from Christmas to just winter, et cetera, et cetera." Mm-hmm. It always had to be by then. Now this is making a lot more sense. Um, you know, she wouldn't have done it for that reason, but you know, lore and legend starts somewhere, and next thing you know, it's just a family tradition that you do, and nobody really knows, you know, understands why. Exactly. Boom. Here it is. Steffi found it for you. Steffi and rocks. Yeah. And Frau Perchta, as much as she's an ugly cunt, right? When she's in her, she actually has a maiden goddess form as well for when she's blessing people and with abundance and shit, right? Um, she's supposed to be beautiful and white like the snow. Okay. And there's actually a beautiful version of her Krampusaya or her Perchin. And they're called Sean, Sean, Sean. I can't say it. It's Sean, S-C-H, umlaut O, 
N, Perchin. Okay. okay. They would wander and give the gifts of the wealth and the abundance and good luck too. So you have an army of demons and you have an army of Christmas angels handing out gifts and shit in some regions, hmm. which I also love, you know, because, you know, the things. Okay. So last but not least, because I kind of eh, uh, was having trouble trying to explain these things in an order that made sense to me. I rearranged these notes 12 times. Okay. But so you're seeing you're seeing this Christianization happen through Epiphany. Now, during a medieval times, the church even recorded instances where food was left for Perchta at night by sinners in order to obtain prosperity and well-being for the coming year. Now, Miss Perchta prefers porridge, by the way. She loves that shit. Okay. But you as said sinner, must eat fish and gruel on her feast day, or you will be punished. Bad news bears there, okay? She even had her own cult at one point. Um, This group would regularly food and drink for her to consume through the entire 12 days of Christmas, hoping to get in her good graces. They're like, one night, fuck y'all, 12. We're definitely getting some good shit for that, right? Um, And uh oh they wanted good graces and abundance okay yeah but in the 1400 the cult was condemned in bulgaria and her worship was outlawed which i find very interesting i'm very upset because i'm seeing i'm seeing you're seeing the norse paganism travel right you're like mm-hmm. you see santa do, 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 do. you see krampus from hell do, 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 do. <laughs> And then you see Frigga and Frey as Perchta. Uh, stop. Uh, where was Frau Perchta in my life growing up? Like I, these things all came from Germanic cultures. I come, I have a little bit of German in me. Okay. I did the Polish, the Italian. Okay. So I had access to all this in my past, right? My heritage. And I have never heard of Frau Perchta. We need to make this thing in a thing in America. I am upset. There's a there is a Christmas version of my goddess, and I'm not <laughs> worshiping her. What the fuck? What the fuck, yo? I'm That's sorry. not good. No good. I know. I'm fixing. We're we're starting it next we're year. We're starting you it. You hear me? All right. Next year, entire season, entire episode dedicated to her. Well, no, no. I mean, like we got to do something for her thing. Oh, I right. Got you. Like if we did Samhain. We're we're doing Yule. I say we do Epiphany or Frau Perch today for the Christmas witch. I'm just saying ritual cleaning. Like we need to make this the thing. No. No. I'm just I'm just saying. I'm, we got a feast. We got a new I'm pagan holiday to bring on in. Yep. You know, no. there's all these death deities we honor. Yule's hitting. You know, we do the things at the in the spring, in the the fall. I New Year's Day, dude. We got we got a thing or January sixth. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, we do the same thing. We do the same thing every year. You know, for the for the New Year, we go through. We make sure the house is clean, and we go through and we smudge, and we ward and we bless. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm adding perched in. She's getting some porridge on that day, my friend. Oh, oh, she will. If Santa gets cookies this Christmas, which is getting her porridge. My little familiar. Mm-hmm. All right. I think we got time for 
one more. One more quick one. We are yeah. pulling up the Yule Cat. And big wow. surprise, we're not going far on this because it looks like we randomly chose three uh, lures to go over. And all of them have something to do with either the Norse or well, pretty much the Norse. Because <laughs> once again, the Yule Cat were coming in from Icelandic lore. A lot of Christmas comes from Norse Yule. Yep. Uh, almost all of it, guys. Yep. Almost all of it. Okay. It is you cannot you cannot spit and not hit Norse when you're talking about Christmas. Pretty much. Yep. Pretty much. So what we're talking about here is the Yule Cat, which is a huge, vicious beast, much like the one that's in my face right now. Not quite. When we say huge, I'm talking like a house. This thing is massive and it is giant. And it was said to to have lurked the countryside, eating anyone who did not receive new clothes as gifts before Christmas Eve. That's why we get a Christmas dress? Oh my God. Every Christmas, you had to get a new dress. When I was a little girl, you had to get a new clothes for Christmas. Yep. Oh my God. But, my Catholic family, you had to get the yeah. new Christmas outfit every year. You had to get a nice, you had your Christmas clothes. They had to be beautiful and new. Yep. Oh, now this, my childhood is now explained. <laughs> I explained part of yours. Exactly. Thank you. It's just the gift that keeps on giving. In, in later mytho, mythos, it changed from anybody to just misbehaving children. So... If you misbehaved, the giant cat would eat you. Apparently, I'm misbehaving by not giving my cat enough attention. That's why he's continually knocking everything over tonight. And there he goes again. He's, he's jealous. We got a kitten, and he's now jealous because he's not the cutest little thing anymore. So, so we have this huge house cat that's lurking around and eating kids. Uh, you know, you got to wonder, who, where did it come from? So... The Yule Cat was actually a house pet for the giantess Grilla or Gryla. Now, listen, in this one, my pronunciation was bad with the German. It's going to get even worse with this one. Okay. So, right now, everybody, please forgive me. Like I said earlier, I barely speak the English, and now we're getting into Icelandic. So, this is even worse. All right. Pittsburghese, bro. You live in Pittsburgh now. You can just say Pittsburghese for Pittsburgh podcast. We all speak. We're the worst. We're up there in the worst speaking cities of all. I, I can, United as States. an outsider, I can see why. <laughs> it's rubbing off on you. Oh no, this is just this has been always. So, Grilla and her husband Lepoludi, all right, and they lived together with this Yule cat uh, in a cave that was found in the Dimuborgir lava fields, right? So she was this giantess. And she was considered a parasite beggar. And what did she beg people for? It's kind of a reoccurring theme tonight. Bad children in which she could eat. So she would go up to people and be like, your kid's horrible. Please, please, please feed me your child. Give me your child. Give me your child. Well, the naughtier, the more delicious you are. I think so. I I mean, I'm pretty delicious. Touche. She had a giant cauldron in which she would cook the children and then devour them. Uh, but it was said that you could easily get out of it by confusing the giantess by just giving her food and then quickly walking away. 
So I was like, yes, I will give you my child. Here's a ham. And scurry on your way. (laughs) I mean, meat's meat, right? Meat is meat, you know. I'm guessing that uh, they weren't the brightest, these giants. uh, And that kind of led to uh, how easily confused. I could be 100% wrong on it. Please don't attack me and kill me in in any kind of comments. Well, in lore, giants are notorious. Correct me. Correct me, but be nice. Well, no, they're notorious for having bad eyesight. Yeah, bad eyesight. In Germanic uh, lore. You know, a, a lot of a lot of lore has them as being a bit on the on the slower side also. They're not the smartest. They're they're uh less human and more animalistic. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming that I'm assuming it goes the same line in, in this one. Um now she was known as this as this beggar. Her husband was just known as being lazy as shit. He just sat around the cave doing nothing but eating and being a waste of space. Okay. Uh, on top of it, they had 13 children. They were referred to as the 13 Yule Lads. Now, 13 is kind of the one that is most popular, popularly um, assumed. There were different names and different numbers in, in different lore. Um, but essentially reading them about them and just doing a quick scan, they were really a bunch of mischievous weirdos and creepers. So to give you an idea of why I say so, uh, the translation of some of their names, we have window peeper, door sniffer, (laughs) licker. There was also a plate licker, a pot scraper, and it just goes on and on and on. And there was one that would hide oh, underneath no, your bed and steal your shoes. You know, they were just weirdos. Like, I mean, seriously, window peeper. There was a giant that would just be a peeping Tom. So that's the family we're dealing with here. And, and it's really no surprise that they have a giant cat that would just roam the, the land looking to eat people. Now, I think there's a really interesting tie-in here with the fact that they wanted you to have new clothes gifted to you before Christmas. So like you said, there's a tie-in with that. And, and you know, with, with my mother, it was the same. You got clothes for Christmas and you got a specific outfit that you weren't allowed to, t- to wear or try the clothes on until New Year's Day. You had to wear those clothes on New Year's Day. So I'm guessing that all kind of evolved from this and, and goes along the same lines. Um, but one of the bit of uh, one of the websites I read brought up the uh, the thought and the idea that you know back in the dark ages the textile business was really kind of just starting, right? And by by that mm. now obviously everybody made clothes and they had clothes, but you know you started seeing it where it became a business. You know, these dark ages you started seeing. Uh, people moving to cities and, and having to rely more on uh, the mercantile. So what better way to pump up textile sales than to create this, this legendary cat that's going to eat you if you don't have new clothes, right? So I instantly, my thought process zoomed to... Uh, the Catholic idea of no meat on Fridays. You have to eat fish. Well, way back in those days, the Catholic Church had stakes in a lot of things, including fishing. And if the fish market's down, what better way to pump that back up than to tell all their followers, you have to eat fish on Fridays. 
I mean, they got a good link here too because Kitty loves her tuna. Kitty does love her it's tuna. Cats notoriously love fish. This is very true. Notoriously. <laughs> uh, so, looking at the the lore of the cat, so it dates back to the 13th century Norse mythology. Once again, I'm so surprised. We should just call this episode a very, very Norse Christmas. <laughs> right? Now, so this brings in a little tidbit I think would be very interesting to, and important to point out. So why would it say it dates back to 13th century, right? And it's simple. Norse mythology, along with a lot of uh, European uh, uh, ancient religions and paganism and, and lore, was never written down. A lot of it was very oral tradition. Um, you didn't see a whole lot of people that, you know, read and wrote back in the day. So a lot of the stories got lost for a bit because once Christianity came in and, and the Catholic church and the Roman empire started taking over and instituting their own religions, you know, that's when paganism started slowly almost dying out. And it was in the 13th century when you started seeing that, uh, Catholic monks collecting all of these old stories and writing them down for the first time. And that pretty much holds true in, in the, the Norse field. It's the same with the Irish and, and a lot of the Celtic countries. So that's why, you know, when I saw this and it said 13th century, well, I'm fairly certain, and I think it would be a safe bet to say that this legend goes back much further. You know, these ideas come from somewhere further back than the 13th century. You know, at that point, we have pretty good historic uh, historical records. So, you know, most people weren't believing that there were giants roaming the earth. They weren't believing that there were cats the, the size of a house roaming the woods eating people. But what we do know is that is a time when these legends started getting written down. Mm -hmm. Interesting enough, it wasn't until the 17th century when the Yule Cat and Gryla and their 13 creepers and Lazy Lipple all became tied with Christmas. I said it's interesting mm -hmm. because what have we also learned this evening? Got tied to Christmas in the 17th century. Krampus. Mm. Most likely a happy coincidence. But I just found it very interesting that, you know, the, the two lore that uh, we randomly decided that I was going to uh, look into for this episode, both of them came as uh, into the Christian world at the same time in two different parts of the world. Yeah, yeah I mean, you guys, you guys got to understand, like, pagans, just like myself, fucking loved Christmas. Like, they were all about it. They would not give it up. No. The Christians had to work with them. They're like, no Christmas, no Christian. Not going to happen. So they're like, no, no Easter? Oh, no, 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 no. We want our fertility rights, bitches. No, yeah. no, no Christmas. No, no, yeah. no Christian. But, oh, they're like, oh, wait, if we just add Jesus with the eggs and the bunnies, they'll come along. And they did. Because it's like, we get to keep our shit. And we don't get to fight with you motherfuckers. Okay. You know, it's just like yep. the love of the holiday is still there. We will not give up Christmas. And I know many, many, many Christians that were that that will consciously repel anything pagan. My dad would not let us go trick-or-treating when we were real tiny. My mom had to take us because he was like, that's not Christian. That, that has nothing to do with the Bible. That's not in there, right? But he can't fight Christmas. 
He can't fight yep. Easter. He tried to fight Halloween because he knew they were pagan. And you can't. You, can't you know, I, I'll... I'll joke a lot and I'll, I'll make little side comments. I did it earlier about, you know, oh, oh, Christianity appropriated this again. But we all have to always kind of remember and understand that was a political move. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a religion trying to steal another religion and, and a belief stealing a belief. It was a, a conquering army coming through. And you, know, you have to replace the, the governing body. You have to replace the traditions. You have to replace the religions. And to do that, a lot of the times it's easiest to incorporate some of it. So that's, that's, why, the Catholic, that's why the Catholic and Christian faiths uh, appropriate so much from the pagan world. And, you know, a lot of pagans want to be very angry about that. But we need to keep in mind, it kept a lot of our lore and a lot of our traditions alive. You know, maybe people don't realize that they're doing it. They may not no, realize they don't. that the pine tree that they bring in and decorate is really very pagan. It has nothing to do with Jesus. But it keeps the tradition alive for the next generation to follow. Yeah, I want for like, hey, Christians, keep Christmas. You can have it. Have it. Please have it. It's so no. much fun. Let's all do the things together. Right? I love, I, I love that. Who what can bothers a jolly fat guy that wants to give you presents? No. I mean, I'm all for bringing in the trees and the long nights and the lights lighting up the darkness and us coming together as a community and bringing joy to the world. Because just... Just acknowledge for like five seconds that Jesus is not the reason for the season. Okay. This is what the pagans did to survive harsh winters. Jesus' yeah. birthday was in fucking like July. It was like in the yeah. summer. By the way, the Bible talks about that time of year and shit. There is no way it was winter in Jerusalem at that time. Yeah. So it is Jesus is not the reason for the season. Celebrate him for all, please. Please celebrate Jesus at Christmas. Yep. Do your thing, do you? But just know that's not the reason you're doing yep. the things that you're doing. After that, Christmas, Christian Christmas away. Have fun. Hell yeah. Let's you do know, it. I, I always look at this one of those things. Everybody has something to celebrate this time of year. You know, there's, there's oh, very yeah. few religions that don't. Fucking have fun with it. Don't worry about what other people are doing. Just enjoy yourself. Actually, what's interesting is there's a lady who works with me at the bakery, and she is from a Muslim country, and they do their they do their holiday. Um, She hasn't quite gone on. I haven't quite looked it all up because I I couldn't quite remember. But from her country, so I don't know if this is a country thing or an Islam thing. So I don't want to like completely put that up there. But she's from a Muslim country, and in that country there is no Christmas, but they do this shit for New Year's Eve. On the last okay. day of the year, they give little presents and things. So she was, she was talking about how she had to convert some of those things over when she came to America. But she has a hard time putting up her tree at the beginning of December because technically it doesn't need to be up till New Year's Eve and shit from where she came from. And I was like, whoa, I like that, Vicky. That's cool. I'm like, I like that. I thought that was neat. And I was like, you don't got to give that up. Hell no. You know? She's like, well, the grandkids. Know. Yeah, I was like, yeah, 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 you know, put the tree up for the thing. I was, I just thought it was neat because they had that Muslim yeah. country. They yeah. speak. Uh, I can't. I don't want to be wrong right now because I'm. I'm not altogether sober. But the things, the things we, they have some. The this Muslim country has the thing at Christmas yep. time. Yep. Yep. 
And Jesus was not the reason for that either, the gift giving and the goodwill towards men. It was their country and they're Muslim. So I was like, cool. We all got we all got the things. Let's do the things. We all got lots of things. Let's do all the things. Do it all. Do all the things. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of doing the things, I mean, great episode, but I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else? Uh, you know, I have a teaser. Ooh, okay. We're gonna we're gonna tease this, and this is something that's gonna be coming up in January. Oh, I, oh! So keep uh, listening. We got a real treat ahead for you. We have an actual debate going with the following the proper rules and everything, and none of this shit like you see in in political debates. We're actually gonna follow the guidelines, and if we get out of line, we're gonna have a very large, very angry, hilarious British man putting us in our place, and we are gonna be. One of us is going to be debating. No, don't say it yet. Science. Don't say it. I'm not going to say what exactly it is. Okay. Right. One is going to be debating the falsehood that is a just complete conspiracy created by quote unquote science, and the other one of us, me, we're going to be debating the truth. What? <laughs> he since he came on this podcast, he's like, Steph, I have an idea for this episode. And every time he does it, I get uncomfortable, squirm in my seat, and try to bash my face off of hard things. I was like, I cannot have this serious conversation with you. This is not gonna <laughs> fucking happen. I will not make it through an episode where I just go, I can't listen to any of this because of science. Okay. <laughs> like I can't. We can't have this conversation. And then my brain went off unless it's a debate. And I I'll tell you why we took, uh, when I was in high school, I took a class called argumentation and rhetoric and the teacher would assign a thing. Like I did capital punishment. Right. And she didn't care if you believed in capital punishment or not. She picked whether you were pro or con. Yep. I, I did the same thing in high school. Yeah. You didn't get a choice. So there's actual rules. So when somebody makes an argument, you have to have a counter argument with research and facts to back it up. You can't just say everybody knows this. You can't do that in a debate. That's a legal move, numero uno. I can't just go, everybody knows capital punishment is is, is killing something. That's right. No, No, fuck that. You're not allowed to do that. You have to take those morals and ethics for this idea that is controversial that you're debating and use nothing but cold, hard facts. So I, I even if I go, everybody, I can't do that if I'm debating something absurd, Patrick, absolutely absurd. I have to imagine. You're right, your every, argument is absurd. I have to, yeah, I have to imagine every absurd thing he says and have the science to back up why the absurd thing is. And if I say something absurd, he has to have science and statistics and case studies to cite to prove why the thing is absurd. Not just everybody knows. So that was the only way I could have this absolutely ridiculous conversation with Patrick. Now, spoiler alert, we're not going to tell you which, but one of us will be arguing a side we don't truly believe. Yeah, okay. No, no. (laughs) No. 
We can already tell I'm uncomfortable, so we can already tell who's going to be doing that. Because I'm well, like, that's not I necessarily true. That's not necessarily true. You could be uncomfortable because you're being forced to take a stance that you don't agree with. No, I 100% agree with mine. We're just well, I 100% agree with mine. So one of us is lying. This is not the labyrinth portal, which I still have not figured oh, out, by the way. Huh? <laughs> this is so much. This is going to be so much fun. And we will be recording that episode at the Menagerie. We're going to have Adam, uh, who is the uh, the owner and candle maker for Morgan's Mark Candle. Uh, he, uh, if you're walking down through the Bellevue area and you happen to look in our windows, you will see him making candles uh, five days a week. He's a fantastic guy. Absolutely love Adam. Too. I can listen to him talk yeah. for hours. And he is so sarcastic yeah. and so dry in his humor and so inappropriate. And I could not think of anybody better to moderate this one. We're also doing releasing the debate in honor of National Opposite Day. Because you're going to be lying. You know what? <laughs> One of us is lying. I'm sure you have another job to do. We have one more order of business to wrap up the podcast because I'm not, I can't. (laughs) I can't with you in this thing. I literally can't with you. Oh, but you will. I have never had something annoy me so much. Oh my gosh. I'm going to be annoyed for two hours straight for this debate. I'm going to be so annoyed. Welcome to life with Pat. Just just think, my poor wife has to deal with this like 24-7. He's like, Steph, what if? And I'm like, no, Pat. And he's like, yeah, but what if? But and what like, if? No. <laughs> this, is, this is the kind of stuff that the people in my life put up with all the time. And you invited me onto this, so now you're stuck. <laughs> it's an interesting dynamic. Oh, yeah, it is. This is going to be... What's that? <laughs> Jess just said you didn't give her a chance to warn her, warn you. So this is your fault. 100%. I'm so full <laughs> liability for this. <laughs> oh, all right. We have a jumper. Oh, it's time for the card pull. It is time for the card pull. Well, I'll tell you this. When the, every now and then, there is a downside to using a theme deck. And that is, sometimes you don't know what in the hell the artwork's supposed to be and which card it is. Are you, what, let me see it. It's the fourth sword. Is it the fourth? Ah, yes, yes, yes. I see it now. Okay. Eh, I don't like that card. We're going to pick a different one. It dumped at you. You're not allowed to do that. Oh, yeah. I'm allowed to do what I want. Actually, I I did. I, there was a tarot card reader that moved to England that used to read my cards. And uh, he would turn, a card would come up one way and he would turn it the other way. And I, I didn't know what the cards meant. I was like, you're not doing some shady shit. Just tell me what I want to hear. He goes, no, sometimes spirit tells me that the card came up the wrong way. Yes. This and is that, your card. That is, it just came the wrong way. That is so very yes, true. You're al- you're allowed to put the card out. You're like, oh, well, nope, that wasn't supposed to be the card. Exactly. And it's kind of one of those things, you know, what? when I look at it and I don't recognize what the card is supposed to be saying, you know, a lot of the reading does come intuitively. So if you don't recognize what the card is saying to you, the message isn't going to be the greatest. So shuffling through, we find the emperor. 
right? So the emperor is, he's very staunch. He is a leader. He is very pig-headed. He is very uh, deliberate in what he does. So we're going to use this as a warning to everybody for this week. Uh, to be the emperor and stand up for yourself, be the expert, be the person that takes charge, but do not be the person that forces things to go their way just because it's the way you want it to be. Make sure that you're acting intelligently enough to listen to everyone around you. Take their opinions, weigh it against your own, and then make your decision. Done. Done. Like, I feel like like there's a point where it's just like mic drop, and I'm like, all right, we're good. <laughs> you know, I should make a little uh, cardboard mic and just... Yep. Boom. Yeah, you, there's, sometimes there's this, this mic drop moment, like the card spoketh. It's done. No more needs said. Unfortunately, sometimes, you know, like, like there, there's been times in readings where I think the mic drop has occurred, and then like 15 seconds, like, oh, shit, but wait. <laughs> there's <laughs> Well, the more is the non-offensive dare. But wait. Oh. Okay, witches, it's time for your weekly non-offensive dare. It's kind of like extra credit here at the Macabre Academy. To mark my 100-episode commitment to my producer and sister, Sound Maiden, I have come up with 100 safe dares to bring silliness and random acts of kindness into this fucked-up world. We'd love to see our listeners creatively complete these dares on Facebook, The Macabre Academy Podcast. Also on Twitter, at The Macabre Academy. On Instagram, The Macabre Academy. And on TikTok, The underscore Macabre underscore Academy. Do something extraordinary and I might just send you something special. (laughs) What was the last one? Did I do the last one? I can't remember the last one. I used to write them down, and now I stopped writing them down. There was the one about uncomfortable truth, but that mm-hmm. was two episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Last, I can't remember what it was last episode. That means I probably didn't do it. My we apologies. have to play a game of chess. That's what it was. Yeah, we were supposed to play a game of chess, which is will be done. Do you it's have a chess board? Over. No. But I, I might manifest one for the Yule Party. I was going to say, if you can find one for the Yule Party, bring it. And I'll take a look and see. Maybe uh, you run over to uh, the dollar store. If you, if you can't find one, I'll run over to the dollar store, see if they have one in the toy section. And we'll play a game. Yeah, we'll figure. Oh, if we, we can always download an app. We're modern witches. We can always download an app. I'm playing Words with Friends with my boyfriend. I thought I was the only person that still played that game. Well, throw the gauntlet, bitch. I'm on Words with Friends, too. Okay? <laughs> Same here. All right, let's, let's I've been, go. I've let's been playing against my, I've been playing against my buddy's mom for like, 15 years now. No, d- dude, let's play. I play the game. I still Pokemon um hunt. Pokey. What's the what's the thing? Oh, go. Pokemon Go. Yeah. Jess still does that. Yeah, I still Pokey Go. Come oh. on now. Okay. Because you gotta catch one, them all. Two. One, two, or three. Two. Top, middle, or bottom? Bottom. Okay. Uh one, two, or three. One. Ah, fuck. <laughs> Three would have been very, like, esoteric. Okay. That was one of those weird ones. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Uh, you know, read off the two and we'll pick between the two. No, because then it won't be a surprise dare later. 
Fine. Okay. So, ep, uh, dare number 66 is tell me something in sign language. This is a language I always wanted to learn how to read. And in retail, I did it a lot. And I really think it's an act of goodwill to know basic sign language because there are so many. Yeah, thank you. I only know thank you. I just thank you in retail a lot. Huh? If I remember correctly, this is vagina rocket. The twat rocket. I saw that on on, uh, uh, TikTok. So if it's wrong, I apologize. But that's what I'm going with. Yeah, we try to teach the baby some sign language, too, when she was born. So she knows she'll do this when she says no. It's not proper sign language, but she'll wave her hand mm-hmm. to say no. And that means she's done. Uh, I, I'll use thank you a lot. We use the hungry in sign language a lot. Um, yeah, but do tell me something sign language. Also weirdly appropriate because I'm obsessed with Hawkeye right now. And there's a lot of sign language going on. Because Hawkeye has lost his hearing from getting blown up. And then one of the, the, the evil villainesses is completely deaf. So she they like sign off at each other. It's funny. Um, watching, you know, bad guy like shakedown in sign language. It's really fucking cool. One of my favorite most original horror movies is a girl who beat a demon with sign language. Because she was deaf. Everybody else in the house died. She survived because she couldn't hear. It was fucking fantastic. So good. You know what? Speaking of of horror movies and defeating of demons, I'm going to give our listeners, if any of you are out there, anybody, I'm going to give you a little homework. And uh, please find find a way to, uh, if you go out and find it and watch this movie. And it's seasonal. It is Santa Slay. S-L-A-Y. And it, the premise is, is that Santa Claus is actually the son of Satan. He's the Antichrist. But Santa lost a bet to an angel a thousand years ago. And his punishment for losing the bet was to deliver presents to children on the birthday of Jesus. But now the thousand years is up and Santa is back for vengeance. Two things to note. The bet that he lost was a curling match. And Santa is played by Bill Goldberg, the wrestler. It is one of the worst and greatest B-flick horror movies I've ever seen in my life. And it's so bad it's good? Yes. And it's the first Christmas. It's a bad good movie? Yes. First Christmas movie Jess and I watched together when we first started dating. And it starts... Uh, with Santa coming down the chimney and interrupting a family dinner, and the family's like sit around fighting. And if I remember correctly, it's James Caan, Fran Drescher, Chris Kattan, and a couple other people that you know you would recognize. And they're all sitting there fighting. Bill Goldberg comes down the chimney and kills the shit out of everybody, and that's the opening scene. Guys, guys, not sponsored, but it's on Tubi, and I'm obsessed with Tubi. Tubi's a hundred percent free. You just have to watch Is it, it really? with Smats. Oh, man, I got to watch that. Oh, that's Tubi. Okay. I have Tubi on my PlayStation. I am watching this shit. It's fantastic. As soon as I get off. It is fantastic. There's no reindeer, though. Spoiler, no reindeer. But a giant stop, stop spo- white buffalo with red glowing it. eyes. Stop spoiling it. That's all I'm saying. Stop it. That's all I'm saying. I'm, I got to be done spoiling. Guys, guys, I got to go. I got a Christmas movie to watch. <laughs> but, okay, so... Sappy sentimental sign off guys in all honesty in my, in my, my soul, I feel like this has been a 
very magical Christmas. So I hope that yours is a blessed and magical Yule. Like I feel it in my bones. This is going to be a good Christmas. And I hope that's true for all of you. All of you that listen. Okay. The witch in me is telling you it's a blessed Yule. Enjoy it. Go have fun. Do the things. Merry and bright or whatever else they say. What else they say? Joy to the world. All that shit. All of it. No, that was it. That's all I got. We should probably end it there. Merry Christmas. The shitter is full. <laughs>